0: Why are nurses so burned out, depressed, and overworked, with some even committing suicide? We're dipping a toe into the dark side of healthcare, medicine, and nursing, right here on episode 215 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful you're listening, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here for months or years on the airwaves. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, inspiration, ideas, and gripping and inspiring interviews that'll get you moving in a positive and inspired direction. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for the nurse Keith show over on iTunes and Apple podcasts that really helps other people find the show. And if you would do that for me, shoot me an email or text, let me know you left a review and I will read it on air and thank you personally. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode and the links that you're going to want to check out, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 215. Let's hop into the studio and discuss today's interesting, maddening, and very important topic. So dear listener, I have been reading the news lately. And some articles have come across my desk from the New York Times, from the World Health Organization, from other sources that, man, I can just say that they are highly disturbing. These statistics and the things that I've been reading about shouldn't surprise us. They probably won't surprise you, but I feel like we need to keep talking about them thus I am here today to speak to you, dear listener, about what is on my mind, because it's a podcast and that's what we do. We talk about what's on our minds. So first, we are going to reference a bunch of articles. The first article we're going to reference is an article from a British nursing website called Nurses Labs, Nurses Labs Com. Kind of an awkward name, but anyway, they are quoting statistics released by the United Kingdom Office of National Statistics, the ONS. Last year, in 2018, the statistics showed that between 2011 and 2017, that's the course of seven years, more than 300 nurses Took their own lives. And they found statistically that female nurses were more at risk than male nurses, with the suicide rate among nurses being 23% in general higher than the national average. Now, that is not terribly encouraging. And while there are no suicide rates documented here in the United States for nurses, only for physicians, mind you. We can assume that we might have a similar trend here in the U.S. We just can't back it up with data, and you know how much we love data. Now, Jonathan Ashworth, the shadow health secretary for labor, I don't know what that means. It sounds ominous, but I'm sure it's not. He called on the government to launch an urgent inquiry into the findings of this study. And he said, quote, the health and well-being of our NHS, that's National Health Service staff, must never be compromised. We must care for those who care for us and our loved ones in a time of need. And the Royal College of Nursing, which is really the main actor within Britain that I can tell In terms of professional nursing and advancing the profession, they said nursing staff experience high levels of stress, a shortage of colleagues and long working hours. Our members repeatedly say their employers ignore or disregard their own mental health issues. They feel they should cope. She also called on the government to take note of the statistics and respond. Now, Family members of some of these nurses who've taken their lives in Britain said that they felt the blame falled on bullying within nursing and toxic work cultures within the health services in England and Great Britain. And younger nurses didn't really ask for help with mental health issues because they were afraid it was going to negatively impact their careers. Now, That is a really sad statement that the younger nurses feel that they can't even bring these issues to their managers or higher-ups because they're afraid it's going to damage their careers. And these young nurses, these new nurses, the novices in our profession, they need support. We've talked about this on the show before. So when we have young nurses who are deciding that they cannot talk about their mental health issues because they're afraid they're going to be castigated and maybe put on a, a no-hire list, that is not okay. Now, here in the US, There is virtually silence on nurse suicides. The National Academy of Medicine has definitely put out statistics about suicide rates among doctors, and they are quite high. And we all recognize that doctors, that physicians and surgeons are under great strain and stress, as well as financial debt when they get out of medical school. So of course doctors are definitely going to see a high level of suicides. What I've also seen said about doctors in terms of suicide is that they understand how to do it. So they tend to be more quote-unquote successful or they're able to complete their suicides much more than the general public. This is definitely a major mental health issue. And when more than 300 nurses die in Great Britain over a seven-year period of suicide, and those are the only ones we know about, that is cause for concern. And we can extrapolate those numbers here to the United States as well. So this is not a happy statistic. And I would love to hear from you. If you have anything to share with me about mental health issues, suicide, burnout, stress, etc., you can send me a note at Keith at nursekeith.com. I would love to read your note on air anonymously, of course, unless you want me to read your name, but I'm assuming most comments will need to be anonymous. You can also leave me a voicemail by going to nursekeith.com, clicking on the bright pink banner at the far left and leaving a voicemail that I can actually download and play on air. And if you don't want to be identified, make sure not to leave your name and any identifying information when you leave that voicemail. So jumping over to something put out very, very recently by WHO, by the World Health Organization, is that the 11th Revision of the International Classification of Diseases, the ICD-11, has classified burnout as an occupational phenomenon, not as a medical condition or mental health condition. And it describes it thus. It says, factors influencing health status or contact with health services, which includes reasons for which people contact health services, but they're not classified as illnesses or health conditions and they say that burnout is defined in ICD-11 as follows. It's a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress, sound familiar, that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions. One, feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. I think you might be able to relate to that. Two, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. I've been there for sure. You probably have too. And number three, reduced professional efficacy. They say that burnout refers specifically to phenomena in the occupational context and should not be applied to describe experiences in other areas of life. Burnout was included in the ICD-10 in the same category as the ICD-11, but the definition is definitely more detailed now. And the World Health Organization is about to embark on the development of evidence-based guidelines on mental well-being in the workplace well. That is long, long, long overdue, but I'm glad the World Health Organization is jumping on this bandwagon because something is wrong in Denmark and we need to fix it because we've got a problem, Houston. We have got a problem with nurses and doctors, and I'm sure many, many other healthcare providers suffering in silence where they feel they can't speak because they might jeopardize their jobs, where they don't feel safe to go to the employee assistance program for the same reason, even though that's supposed to be confidential and anonymous. And we have people who feel that they cannot mitigate or assuage the symptoms they're having because every time they go back to work, it repeats itself again. So if you are in this particular space, if you happen to feel depressed, definitely consider counseling and psychotherapy like I have talked about on the show before. And if you are suicidal, I want you to consider calling the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline here in the United States. 1-800-273-8255. You can also go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Dot org. If you do not live in the United States, please use Google. Use your friendly search engines to find the suicide prevention hotlines in your country or area and utilize them, okay? It's not just our patients who have mental health issues. We nurses and doctors and physical therapists and nursing assistants, all of us can experience mental health issues. All of us can feel depressed, sad, anxious, burnt out, suicidal, and we need to feel safe enough to reach out for help. Now, moving on to another article that I wanted to bring your attention to. And please note that the links to these articles will be in the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 215. This article is an opinion piece by Daniel Ofri. He's a doctor practicing at Bellevue Hospital in New York City, and it is called The Business of Healthcare Depends on Exploiting Doctors and Nurses. One resource seems infinite and free, the professionalism of caregivers. This was published on June 8, 2019 in the New York Times. The link will be in the show notes. And Dr. Ofri talks about the fact that doctors and nurses are professionals. Of course, we are highly trained, and we are trained to put aside our own needs in deference to the needs of our patients. We often don't clock out. I mean, let me say this better. We do clock out, but we continue working after we clock out. We work extra overtime without pay, We spend nights tossing and turning in our beds when we feel like we didn't do everything we could have done for a patient. We show up and we're short-staffed and we end up doing more with less because that's what's expected of us. And if our patients need us, we just put our noses to the grindstone and we just do it, even while we're compromising our own health and safety, and maybe even the safety of our patients, because we cannot work the way we would like to and to deliver the care we want to because we are too burnt out and stressed to really give it its due. Quoting from Dr. Ofri's article, he says, If doctors and nurses clocked out when their paid hours were finished, the effect on patients would be calamitous. Doctors and nurses know this, which is why they don't shirk. The system knows it too and takes advantage. Do you feel taken advantage of by your workplace? Does your workplace basically just tell you? Does the culture dictate to you or do your supervisors and the higher-ups tell you, well, you've got to suck it up grin and bear it, get in there and do the work. I know we're four nurses short. Do the work of four people. I know you can do it. And yes, you are probably a superhuman nurse. And yes, you can do it, but at what cost to yourself, to your patients, and to the healthcare system at large? Dr. Ofri continues, quote, The demands on medical professionals have escalated relentlessly in the past few decades without a commensurate expansion of time and resources. For starters, patients are sicker these days. The medical complexity per patient, the number of severity of chronic conditions has steadily increased, meaning that medical encounters are becoming ever more involved. They typically include more illnesses to treat, more medications to administer, more complications to handle, all in the same length often. Office or hospital visit. He continues, quote, in a factory, if 30% more items were suddenly dropped onto an assembly line, the process would grind to a halt. Imagine a plumber or a lawyer doing 30% more work without billing for it. But in healthcare, there's a wondrous elasticity. You can keep adding work and magically it all somehow gets done. Does that sound familiar to you, dear listener? He continues. The nurse won't take a lunch break if the ward is short of staff members. The doctor will, quote unquote, squeeze in the extra patients. I want to add in there, the nurse practitioner will squeeze in the extra patients. Final paragraph I want to read to you from Dr. Ofri's opinion piece from the New York Times, quote, mission statements for healthcare systems and hospitals are replete with terms like excellence, high quality, and commitment. While these may sound like Madison Avenue buzzwords on a slick brochure, they represent the core values of the people who labor in these institutions. Healthcare is by no means perfect, but what good exists is because of individuals who strive to do the right thing. Now, I know... You're a nurse, most likely, if you're listening to this podcast. I know, I know you strive to do the right thing all the time. But what is this about being taken advantage of? What is this about the healthcare infrastructure the machine of healthcare, depending on the exploitation of doctors and nurses and medical students and medical interns and residents, this is an egregious process. And when we see these suicides in Great Britain, we have a rising suicide rate of physicians in the United States. We have no documentation or data or statistics on the suicide of nurses here, though we know nurses are burnt out. We know they're leaving the profession in large numbers. So Something must be done. And yes, we've been paying lip service to this forever, but it is up to us to make it happen because no one is going to do it for us. And we can legislate nurse patient ratios. We can do all this stuff that we've all been calling for, for so many years. But again, our employers need to be held, their feet need to be held to the fire or maybe other parts of them too so that they provide us the type of work environments that are not toxic, where bullying is not rampant, where staffing issues are not a daily, hourly occurrence, and where we are not being exploited in order to provide the patient care that we have sworn an oath to provide. I know this isn't a super fun topic, but it is super important. And when we come back to the break, I'm gonna reflect on some of my ideas for fixing this, and then I would love to hear from you. Don't touch that dial. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of the Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts Directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nursekeith to read all about it. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash nursekeith. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please. Consider referring them, and if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me, and there's no expiration date on that credit, and you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. Okay, we're back for episode 215, the second half of the episode here at the Nurse Keith Show. We have been talking about some grim subjects, suicide, depression, burnout, anxiety, stress, does that sound familiar? I know it sounds familiar to you, or it sounds familiar because you've heard about it from other colleagues. If you have not experienced these things yourself, though I imagine you probably have. And if these issues are really as bad as they appear, and I believe they're probably worse than they appear on paper, we need to do something, right? So, what do we do? First, definitely some legislation or some sort of industry-wide rules around staffing would definitely help nurses out. I know you might disagree with me in terms of the mandated nurse-patient ratios that have been handed down in California. That is the only state in the United States that has mandated ratios. Some people I know in California say it is amazing. Some say that it's not so great, that it's not a panacea, though I know that this has been looked at by many legislatures around the country. It's even been talked about in Congress, but nothing is happening. So wherever you fall on this continuum of opinion about Nurse patient ratios, something has to be done, even if it's done solely in institution by institution. But here's the problem that I hear from so many nurses out there. Even if an institution has nurse patient ratio rules or regulations within their policies and procedures or their operating procedures, it doesn't always hold water because when The fit hits the shan, and there's a lot of patients and not enough nurses. Who's going to pick up the slack? You are, because you're the one who's there. When you are supposed to have four patients, you have seven. Or if you're a new nurse, you're supposed to have three and you have five. That is a recipe for disaster, for errors, for miscalculations, for missed orders, and for patient injury, and maybe even nurse injury as well, because we know when we're working too hard, we can move a patient more quickly without thinking about our body mechanics as much. We don't ask for help because we're in a hurry. And then we end up in workers' comp because we've injured ourselves, because we've been pushed beyond our physical and mental capacity, and maybe even our emotional and spiritual capacity to do the work we're there to do. Now, here in New Mexico, in the recent legislative session that happened early in 2019, I think it was February, that's right, February 2019, we passed one of the very first laws in the United States where nurses in New Mexico can now invoke what we know as safe harbor. So if a nurse in a New Mexico hospital or other agency or institution is given an an assignment that he or she feels is unsafe, that they cannot do safely for either him or herself or patient, well, that nurse can invoke safe harbor and they are protected from any kind of whistleblowing punishment, being fired, being demoted, etc. Now, each facility here in New Mexico has to actually come up with how safe harbor will actually be invoked and be honored. And we're going to be keeping a very close eye on how these institutions initiate these types of processes and initiatives, because we don't want our nurses somehow getting fired for other reasons, even though the reason they're getting fired is that they invoked safe harbor But the employer just can't say that that's the reason why they're being let go. So the New Mexico Nurses Association, our government relations committee and other organizations and groups within New Mexico are going to be watching this very closely. So if you're interested in Safe Harbor, let me know. Email me at Keith at NurseKeith.com. I will send you some information from the New Mexico Nurses Association about the Safe Harbor bill that we successfully passed after two or three years of very hard work by other people, not by me specifically. Personally, other people really did the down and dirty work to get this legislation through the House, the Senate, and to the governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, here in New Mexico. It was signed into law in March. So if you want to know about Safe Harbor, let me know, and maybe you can start initiating that conversation where you live here in the U.S. or abroad. I also think that nurses simply need to learn how to speak up for themselves when we have unsafe work practices unsafe environments, when their bullying is rampant, we need to be able to state our opinions and tell our supervisors and executives and upper management what is going on how can management and the executive team the c-suite know what's going on if it's not being reported to them from the people with boots on the ground so when you see stuff happening when you see bullying happening you need to document the crap out of it okay if you have a bully on your unit and it's causing a lot of stress to the people on your unit, you need to start documenting, having witnesses co sign your documentation so that if you need to get a bully off your unit, you have the data to show, you have the dates the times, the witnesses, what happened, what was said, what was done so that that bully can be removed. Whether that bully is a physician, a physical therapist, another nurse, or a manager, that person needs to be dealt with. We need to not be afraid to speak up and speak out and take a stand when it's most important. Now I also want to hear your ideas for how we can deal with this well this issue and the many issues that we're facing. When it comes to burnout and stress we need to keep an eye on our colleagues. When you see a colleague who's having a hard time take the moment to say hey Laura, what is going on with you? Is there any way I can support you? Is there any way I can help? Do you think you might need to go to the employee assistance program and have a conversation? Are you in counseling or therapy? Would you like to go speak with someone? Is there a faith leader you'd like to meet with? What can we do to help you? This is how you can support your colleagues by noticing by reaching out a helping hand, by giving them a shoulder to cry on, a hand to hold, and then figure out a way to help them help themselves. Now, if you have a union in your organization, and most organizations don't have them these days, unions have really taken a hit the last 30 years here in the United States. I don't know about other countries, but unions are definitely Don't have the strength they used to have, the strength in numbers. If you have a union, you can, of course, go to your union representative. But if you are not represented in that particular way, it is definitely a heavier lift, but it's work that still needs to be done, and we can't be afraid to do it. Now, the way that I am trying to affect change in the healthcare system is not from the inside as a nurse, like you might be. I am doing it from the outside by recording these podcasts, giving speeches, writing blog posts and articles, being part of the New Mexico Nurses Association and the Government Relations Committee. I am doing what I can here on my end to affect the change that needs to happen. You can do the same. You know, we also need to educate the public one way To get the public on our side, and we know they're on our side because they trust us, right? The Gallup poll tells us that every year they trust nurses more than anyone. However, we also need to get the public on our side to understand exactly what it is we do, how we do it, and what's wrong with the healthcare system. Because patients want to be taken care of safely. They want their loved ones to be taken care of safely. So we need to speak out. That means letters to the editor. It means speaking at your local chamber of commerce meeting. It means meeting with your mayor, meeting with your state and national and local legislators to let them know what's going on in the hospital where you work or the visiting nurse agency where you work or the public health department where you're employed. Whatever you see going on, it needs to be known by more people than just the colleagues that you complain with over a beer. You need to bring these conversations out into the open. That's why I'm happy when I see an article like Dr. Opry's op-ed in the New York Times saying that the business of healthcare depends on exploiting doctors and nurses. I want to see letters to the editor. I want to see Legislators talking about these issues. I would like to see you. Yes, you. I'm watching you very closely. I want to see you meet with your senator, your member of Congress, your state representatives. Tell them what you see in healthcare. Bring stories to the public, to the media, and to your public officials. Stories speak volumes. Tell them about an understaffed unit where you saw mistakes made and patients harmed or nurses burnt out and unhappy and crying in the break room because they're just being overworked, work to the bone until they can't function anymore as effective clinicians. Tell your story. Stories matter. And if we can get these stories out there, the public in the end has to actually rise up go to their legislators, go to their local community hospitals and other institutions and say, hey, this is unacceptable. So yes, the public is on our side when it comes to feeling they can trust us and that they love nurses and feel that we're wonderful, honest professionals. But we also need them to understand our struggles because when they understand our struggles, they know that that Directly impacts the quality of patient care, and they want themselves and their loved ones cared for the way they're supposed to be, and the way that we as nurses and healthcare professionals were trained to do. So, those are just some of my ideas. I have more, but I would like to hear from you. So, email me at keithnursekeith.com. At Tell me your story. Leave me that anonymous voicemail from my website, if you like, at nursekeith.com, the bright pink banner on the left-hand margin, and let's have an ongoing conversation about these issues. I've also posted all these articles at facebook.com forward slash nursekeithcoaching, as well as in the show notes. But if you want to go over to Facebook and engage in the comments and conversations that are happening there, I welcome you to do so. Well, there you have it. This was a somber episode of The Nurse Keith Show. Remember that the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 215. I hope you feel empowered by this episode. You definitely probably don't feel uplifted, but I would like you to feel empowered. And I want you to think about what actions you can take in order to actually move the needle on the issues I'm discussing today. That is my sincere ask of you. The other ask is, did you know that there are job listings and other resources at nursekeith.com? That's right. You can find jobs from Reload, from ZipRecruiter, in the resources section of nursekeith.com, the upper right menu. Go to resources. You'll find all sorts of great stuff there, including openmd.com, which is a free evidence-based database for those of you who especially don't have agency-affiliated subscriptions to -to UpToDate or Hippocrates or other medical search engines. Get rid of all that stuff on Google that you get, the spurious articles about health and healthcare and medicine. Go to openmd.com to look up anything you want and see the best in evidence-based information right there at your fingertips. The Nurse Keith show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his team at the podcastinggroup.com and Mark Cappispiecean is our awesome social media maven. Please keep tuning in again and again as we continue to explore the profession of nursing, healthcare, medicine, and how to elevate your nursing career into your very own professional stratosphere. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. And this is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. See you on the flip side.